Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast, part of the Sports Insanity Network. My name is Nathan Moser, joined by Mike Rifkin. And, and Mike, um, we, we've we been landiscogged once again. Uh, for, for those who don't know, uh, a podcast we've done before in the past, um, we we recorded an episode talking about Landis Gog and you know about the idea of him signing with the Avalanche, and the second we were done with that podcast, it, we were done recording. It, it was announced that Landis Gog uh, signed an extension with Colorado, so obviously making that entire talking point uh, invalid, but. Um, that happened to us a second time. So we recorded an episode and it, we'll see which one actually gets loaded up first. It's very possible that this one might get posted first. We uh, we just recorded an episode the other day with Brooke Laferno, uh, who covers the Chicago Blackhawks uh, with the hockey writers. We did an episode with her and we talked about the, the Jack Eichel trade speculation because there was a tweet from Kevin Weeks that had come out and we'll get to that specific part in this episode. But um obviously the you know there was some there was a little bit of uh there's a little bit of a uh smoke you know and you know where there's smoke there's fire things were starting to heat up with the eichel uh trade talk the other night and the next morning it was official but it wasn't official with the shit with the uh calgary flames uh as weeks had thought that it might be but it was with the vegas golden knights but um first of all uh we'll dive right into the official trade. Uh, so Jack Eichel was traded along with a 2023 third round draft pick in exchange for forward Peyton Krebs, forward Alex Tuck, a 2022 first round pick and a 2023 second round pick. Uh, so first of all, Mike, how are you, how are you, how are you doing? Better now. Also. <laughs> Also, you forget to mention the 2022 first round pick is a top 10 protected pick, which means if Vegas is in the top 10, it, they'll slide back a year. Is the only is that the only one that's protected? I thought I I had seen. Yeah. Um, OK, because I had seen a couple people say that maybe all the all the picks like it wouldn't be just, like the 2023 I, second round pick would so also be protected. I think if the 2022 first is top 10, that'll slide to 2023. So. Right. Maybe I didn't know if there set, were other maybe the other pick slides back a year also. So Yeah, I didn't know I didn't know what the condition I thought I had seen that there were conditions on the other pit on one of the other picks as well, but um I guess what are your initial thoughts on the deal? <clears throat> uh I look I like it for from a Sabres point of view. Peyton Krebs is a young player who we have not seen the best of yet. But in limited NHL action, only nine, only really 13 games in his career with one point. But you look at his numbers in the Western Hockey League for the Kootenay slash Winnipeg Ice. You know, he put puts up good numbers. And Alex Tuck's a guy who I think everyone should really like. Syracuse native. In his career, he's put up 139 points, 61 goals, 78 assists. But... In the playoffs, 19 goals, 14 assists, and 30 for 33 points in in about 60 games. So when the lights are on bright, Alex Tuck is a guy who shines. 
Yeah. Uh, as for Jack, I mean, this is it's about time. Well, that and that's the first thing that I wanted to say is, uh, you know, first of all, good for Jack Eichel uh, that he that he's going to be getting the surgery that he wants. It it supposedly had, um, you know, the teams that were in on him all were pretty much with the I mean, it, there was no negotiating aspect of whether or not he would get the surgery that he wanted from any of these teams. All these teams were the ones that were like, you know, we're we're fine with him getting the surgery that he wants. Uh, obviously, one of the conflicting aspects of the surgery being that no hockey players ever gotten it before. But I believe there was a UFC fighter that got the surgery, did he not? And then, I mean, he was fighting again not that long later. So, I mean, the, the you know, I mean, you know, we don't need to dive into the, the whole whether that he should get the surgery or not because, um, you know, but I would think, you know, if a UFC fighter can go back to fighting, I would like to think that you could play hockey again. I mean, it, it's 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 tough. It's tough. I- I would also think if they're acquiring him, they definitely did their due diligence on the surgery and right. and yeah. what was going on. So that that part of it, I would think Vegas took care of. And 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 that's that's the most important thing out of all this is that Jack is going to be healthy again and that he's going to get the surgery that he feels is appropriate. Um, so everything checks out on that end and, and very good for him that he's going to be getting the surgery. I believe he said that he's going to get the surgery hopefully by the end of next week. Yeah. Um, I don't have the quote in front of me, but I believe that was around the timetable. He said that he would start to get it and then it would just be a matter of uh, the amount of time he would be out. I know some people think that he's, he's trying to gun to play in the Olympics. I think he's going to fall just a little bit shy of that. But I definitely think he'll be back for the playoffs. Uh, I think it was Vegas's GM Kelly McCrimmon said that it, it's we're, you're they're possibly looking at. I'm not quoting him here, but I believe he said it was about a four to five month timetable. But he also said that it was kind of difficult because this surgery's never been done before, so it, it's kind of a wait and see thing how he recovers from it. Um, but um, kind of kind of going back to the Kevin Weeks tweet. Uh, because a lot of people, you know, were wondering, you know, about the whole thing, about how legitimate Calgary's offer was that Weeks supposedly found out about. Now, Pierre Lebrun found out that apparently Vegas, Calgary, and Carolina, to an extent, were teams that were in on them. I'm guessing when they got Kokaniemi, that was when the Canes were officially out of it. Um, but because I know that Carolina was mentioned briefly in the offseason as a possibility but that never really seemed to gain enough traction to be heavily considered like the other two teams uh vegas was a team that seems like they were in it the entire time and obviously they won the whole sweepstakes but it seems like they were the ones that were always consistently in like i hadn't even heard calgary was in on it until probably a couple weeks ago so i mean it was you know but I'm curious about and and I'll let me read Kevin's tweet real quick from the other day. For all asking, my understanding is the Calgary Flames have Kachuk, who is a future potential captain, an upcoming first round pick, a former first round pick. And if if you know with the other podcast episode we were on, we were trying to speculate, you know, is that Monahan, is that Hannafin, you know, how that would work out, and two prospects in the Eichel sweepstakes with the Buffalo Sabres. So that's the so that was what they talked about. Kachuk, upcoming first round pick, a former first round pick, and two prospects for Eichel. 
So I'm curious, and Sabres GM Kevin Adams was interviewed yesterday and was asked about the week's tweet, and he said that this was not true. And he felt bad for Kachuk because he had to go through, you know, he goes, whenever your name is out there, he goes, you know, obviously you have a lot of thoughts and, you know, maybe nervousness go through your head about what's going to happen. You know, whenever your name's thrown out there, then it's like, you know, it's like, okay, what's going on? Am I getting moved? You know, there's, he, he, Adam said he felt bad that Kachuk had to go through that because his name was thrown out there. Now I'm I want your opinion on this because it there were reports for a little while that Vegas was not willing to put Krebs in the deal for whatever reason they they want they did not want him to be part of the deal and and whether that's because you know I mean they've been trading a they've traded most of their picks from oh, yeah. before Suzuki to Montreal um Glass in this past off season they Barn, were Barnstrom was a part of the stone deal. Yeah. 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 You know, and obviously they're trying to win now, but you know, they're, they're, they're running thin on the young talent. And so I could understand their aspect of, okay, well, we really don't want to put Krebs in the deal, but obviously I'm from a Sabres aspect. It's like, okay, well, we're giving you our star player, our face of the franchise. You should be, you know, this needs to be part of the deal. And I, and I think that was, that was Adams was very firm on that. If you want Eichel, Krebs has to be part of the deal. And so I'm curious, and do you think that somebody on the Sabres end leaked this on purpose two weeks with the idea of trying to get Vegas to put Krebs in the deal? Because they, because you could look at this as, oh, oh, God, you know, on the Vegas end, oh, geez, well, they're, they're putting Kachuk in the deal, you know. They must value him more than we do, but we really value him, so we I guess we have to put Krebs in the deal now. So I think someone from the Sabres did leak it. I'm not going to accuse anyone. But Ke- Kevin Weeks and Kevin Adams, I think, played together in Carolina. Or there's that possibility. Yeah, that's, I, I think that might be – their tenures were around the same time. Tenures sure. were around the same time, so that's very possible. Um. I think Krebs may have always been included. I wonder this, because I've been, as we were talking the other night about with Calgary, is it Monahan, is it Hannafin, is it some other person? I wonder if Vegas said to them, hey, instead of giving you argument's sake, let's say this conversation happened, because we heard the name Shea Theodore brought up. Vegas said, we're going to not give you Tuck and Theodore, but it's Tuck or Theodore plus Krebs and then plus this. You have to make that deter, excuse me, determination. Yeah. And, and another, I mean, cause I, I, we've, we heard a little bit of the Theodore stuff, but it, there was also, there was also the aspect of, if they were going to take a blue liner from Vegas, I know the name Nick Haig was mentioned, then I also heard that Vegas didn't want to include Hague in there either. So well, I, I think it would have had to have been theater just like cap wise. Right. And 
Uh, well, speaking of cap, I should mention this too, that the Sabres traded for the uh, the contract of Johnny Boychuk, who will not be playing for them. He's been retired uh, due to injuries. Um, but this was to get to, to get to the cap floor, because obviously now that Eichel's gone, they that's $10 million that's off the books for them. So they they brought Boychuk's Boychuk's contract on. They traded with the uh, with the Islanders for future considerations. I believe was the full deal. So they're just that, taking that all good future considerations. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, but yeah, so um, so there's that aspect of it too that they had to get back to the cap floor. So that because that was interesting. I remember going on Twitter and being like. We're trading for Johnny, excuse me, Johnny Boychuk. And part of me had forgotten that that had even happened, that he had retired. And I'm like, because I had, I had liked him when he played. And I'm like, oh, that that's not, I mean, he's older. And then I'm like, oh, he's retired. We're, that's that's just to get to the cap floor. Um, but so, all right. So moving on from this, though, um, and, and obviously, uh, when it comes to Krebs, he Adam said that he would be going down to, to the Rochester Americans, which Rochester's got a pretty solid team from what I understand. Jack Quinn is down down there along with J.J. Baturka, and both of them have been pretty solid for them. I don't have their stats in front of me, but from what I understand, they've been leading the charge and kind of tearing up the AHL a little bit for Rochester, so... If we're talking about Buffalo's future, obviously they both have to transition from the AHL because they're both just kind of getting their legs underneath them for the Americans. But, um, you know, that's that's potential if they can transition well. Those are two other uh, NHL roster spots that you can have for potential stars. And then obviously Krebs. Who knows? That could be a line in the AHL that you, that makes the transition to the NHL. And then you have a whole line and the forward core that could be solid for you going forward. But um, so Eichel did some interviews yesterday and he, he, he kind of did some interviews with different people. There was one that came out where he talked to Elliot Friedman. He was on ESPN's The Point with John Bucci Gross and he also ended up be, being on the Spit and Chicklets podcast as well. Um, you now we had talked before we started recording. You said it was the Friedman interview where there was a little conversation in the offseason. He thought that he might be going to Colorado, possibly. So, so F- Elliot Friedman had reported. I think this was on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast he does with Jeff Merrick that Colorado and, and Buffalo had a brief conversation. In the off season, it didn't amount to anything, but there was a at least a phone call placed. And and you and you think that if if anything would have happened on that front, it would have probably had to include. You mentioned I think Byram. I, I think if I was Kevin Adams, I'm starting at Byram and possibly Newhook. I was going to say, oh, just just the idea of Eichel and McKinnon on the same team is just insane, absolutely insane. Oh. Certainly fast. Certainly, yeah, they'd be a fast duo. Think of what that top power play unit would look like. Oh, I mean, well, we Mc, can even. I McKinnon, mean, Landis, Grantin, and McCarr and Eichel. Oh, well, 
one of the uh, what ifs, but uh, we don't have to what if about the Vegas part, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, I actually we'll get to that now because uh, I put down in my notes here about the uh, personal weird conflict that I'm in right now. Um, now, obviously, I knew that this was going to happen. I knew that Eichel's tenure with the Sabres was over with and, um, you know, it, and it wasn't the prettiest breakup either, which is always super unfortunate whenever that happens, not even just in hockey, but in any sport. And it's, it's one of those things where uh, for those who don't know, and I don't know how many times I've advertised this on here, but the Vegas Golden Knights are my second favorite team. And when they first broke in, when Bettman first announced that Vegas was getting the next NHL expansion team back in, tw- in 2016, I think they announced this when they were going to get it. And then 2017 was when they started putting everything together. Um, I, uh, I was, I figured that they, because they were the first NHL expansion team that I was ever going to see start ground up in person, that that was going to be the team, especially because they were West Coast. And it's like, okay, well, they're never going to really play the Sabres. I just figured that that would be cool to have them be my second team. And so I rooted for them from day one. I I watched some of their first game against Dallas and first game that they ever played in franchise history. I watched – I mean, Noah's not with us for this, but he can – we both, us and our friend Ryan, shout out to Ryan – we were in one of our the college um, dorm hangout areas, and we were watching Vegas's series. I think it was against LA, where I think it was Eric Hollis scored in like double overtime. We all were like yelling at like 2 a.m. You know, I mean, it was just Vegas was just always so fun to watch, and you know, I rooted for them. And I live in DC now, which is really funny now, just how things work out. But I was rooting for them to win their cup in the first season that they were around. And that's no offense to Ovechkin. I'm glad he finally got himself a cup or the DC or, you know, Baxter, any of those guys. But they were, you know, they really were, they really are my second favorite team. But the Sabres are my first favorite team. And so this is an aspect of my favorite team trades who was my favorite player on the team. And I was hoping potentially that. Danny Breer is my all-time favorite player. I was hoping that Eichel was going to pass that at the end. Now that's not going to happen, but, you know, I do wish Jack nothing but the best in Vegas. Obviously, I'm still kind of rooting for him now. But it's just a weird situation where my favorite team trades my favorite player to my second favorite team. And I've caught myself yesterday. It was just – when I talk about that I was – this is the most conflicted that I've ever been in sports – this is the most conflicted that I've ever been in sports because I mainly felt a lot of I, I don't I don't have sadness. I mean, I, I guess sadness is one of the one of the feelings that I felt. I feel more upset than I do happy, but there is happiness on the Vegas end, especially when on Wikipedia and I looked at their roster with Eichel. And there's a little part of my brain that's like, oh man, they're they're gonna win a cup in a couple years. 
And it's just it's just really, really weird because I'm mainly feeling, you know, upset that the whole thing didn't work. And I'm not mad at Eichel. I don't think anybody could be mad at Eichel for this. Or should be. Because it's not his fault. And we can get into some of the stuff he talked about in his interviews, but it's just a weird it's just a weird thing for me because there were a few times yesterday where I was excited on the Golden Knights aspect of it as a fan of their team. And I'm I'll say it right now, I think they're winning the cup in the next probably three seasons. One of one of them, I don't know if it'll be this year, but maybe in the next two after that, I think that they if everyone stays healthy. I mean, they literally only needed a number one center yep. on their team. They had a number one right winger in Stone. They Leonard's been a pretty solid goalie for them. Obviously, Flurry was in that spot, and but they went with Leonard. Um, Alex Petrangelo. They got Pacioretty. I mean, think about the team went to the Cup final with a top line of Marcheseau, Riley Smith, and and uh, William Carlson. No and all of a sudden, really... Marcheseau slides into to what being your third line center. I would be second line. I think. I think they'll still keep him second line. Once Eichel's um, healthy. Oh well, well oh, Marcheseau is a winger though. Your your top six would be, be that top line's probably Patrick. Uh, you, you know what? I'm thinking Chandler Stevenson, so yeah. don't mind that. Yeah. Um yeah, Stevenson would slide into the three C, I would imagine. Oh. Um which still, I mean he, that guy can be a that, top that six. is that's some sort of depth. Because you, you have I mean, I'm thinking the top six for them is Pacioretty, Eichel, Stone. And then the Carlson line. Yeah, because obviously those that trio of Carlson, Smith, and Marcheseau, they've had chemistry ever since the beginning. So, um, And then Stevenson, and you go from there, obviously. Tuck Nolan Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nolan Patrick. You forget that Nolan Patrick's on uh, on that team, too, now. And, you, and look, and on the defender end, you have Petrangelo and... Shay Theodore, Shea Theodore, Alec, Alec Martinez, who's a real pain in my rear end still they, after all of those years. They just inked White Cloud to like a six-year contract. White Cloud, extension. yeah. Um, in Haig, who wasn't part of the deal in the end, but um, yeah, and so they're, you know, they're they're gonna. It, they're definitely in that cup conversation for sure because they've got depth all throughout the board. And I think the the other thing, they have the depth. I don't necessarily care for him. Pete DeBoer is a pretty good coach. But here's the thing of it all. They play in the Pacific Division. Which, no offense to the teams in the Pacific Division, it's the weakest of the four divisions. The Golden Knights are going to smack a lot of them around. Uh, uh, yeah, like Edmonton's off to a good start. Calgary's off to a good start. I don't know how they both the if the, both those teams are going to maintain that. Yeah. But then you play the California teams who are all kind of in a rebuilding phase anyway. So Vegas is probably. You're right in the window. It has to be probably within the next three years or so. Oh, do I? Oh, do I wish I could sit down and watch a, a Golden Knights Oilers game right now? Oh, forget right now. Let's fast forward to March. Well, that's you're getting McDavid versus Eichel now. Yeah, you're They're getting McDavid. Same division. And 
I'm not saying this to put the pressure or be Jack Eichel. You wanted to win. You wanted to go to a place to win. Put your money where your mouth is. Show up come March, April when you're back healthy fully. Oh, now See that, what now you that got some playoff time. With the with the talent he's got around him, he he has no excuses anymore. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's I needed to state that that this is just this has just been a weird time for me just because and look even us talking about Vegas for like that those three minutes I got a little excited <laughs> it's like so this is just such a weird it's so weird like for me and I, I love what Vegas does though and I get it when people say oh you know they don't utilize picks but this is what you're supposed to do yeah. In look, Vegas, you go all in. When when Vegas, go, when it was, go home. They it was, tell you on the commercials whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. The Golden Knights have made that very true. And and look when when Petrangelo was between going back to St. Louis and Vegas, I was rooting so hard for Petrangelo to go to Vegas, and I have. And this is an audio podcast, so it wouldn't matter if I went and got it anyway. But I have. A Petrangelo, kind of a jersey. It's kind of like a Petrangelo Golden Knights jersey. It is, but it's not like one of the traditional ones. It's all gold. Um, but it's it's. I mean, look, I'm a fan of this team. I the first Golden Knights shirt that I ever got was James Neal when he was on the team. Remember when James Neal was on the team? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that feels like a, an, an eternity ago. But. You know, so it's it's just a weird thing. But like I said, I mean, I have been feeling more negative emotions than positive. Obviously, there are some positive in the Vegas aspect of it, but it's just been it's just been a really weird time for me. Um, you know, and obviously the Sabres are always going to be my number one team. And it's it's that's why I feel more negative emotions than I do happiness for Vegas. Uh, just a really, really weird time. Um, but uh, there's a, there's uh, other tweets that I want to that I want to point out uh, from John Vogel um, of the Athletic, formerly of the Buffalo News. Um, let's see here. Um, covers the Sabers for the Athletic. Uh, so the other day, Vogel tweeted out that I hear the Sabers are feeling added external pressure not grievance related to get a deal done today. And people were trying to figure out what exactly that meant. Like what, what external added external pressure would be. Uh, well, Vogel kind of answered his own. Uh, he quote tweeted himself uh, yesterday and goes, remember this Jack Eichel, I've been told was finally talking today. Either way, the conversation may have, okay. Would have had even more juicy moments if the trade didn't happen. So Vogel implying that the added external pressure was the fact that Eichel was planning to talk about this entire thing, trade or not being official. So he would have, you know, gone on the points uh, on ESPN with Bucci Gross. He would have had this interview with Friedman and he would have joined Spin Chicklets. And would have, and obviously, yeah, no, the 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 interviews would be juicier if 
the trade didn't happen because obviously Ico would still be very emotional that nothing would have gotten done. And who knows how badly the organization would have gotten hit PR wise from this entire thing. They've already taken a massive hit from all of this. I also wonder if Vegas or Vegas put pressure and said, Hey, we're going to, Obviously, the Sabres don't have to do to say this, but I wonder if Vegas had said, hey, listen, he wants to get the surgery. We're okay with getting the surgery, but if you don't answer us by this date, our offer is off the table. I kind of wonder if that happened also. And, um, I mean, that also, I mean, when you look at the timeline, that also could explain the weeks thing coming out because it's like, okay, well, we really need them to budge now and put Krebs in the deal. If, if, if that aspect of it was actually the case, but, uh, and then they're like, look, we want to get the deal done by your timeline. Calgary's given us this, how bad do you want? And then, you know, it, it's a pressurized situation for all involved. I mean, even if you don't have the player at the time, because you are trying to do your best to get the player, but, um, yeah, and uh, so we can get a little bit into uh, some of the stuff that he did say. So uh, in his interview with Elliot Friedman, Eichel said that, you know, this provided a little background as to, excuse me, how things came to be. So in his, in Eichel's interview with Elliot Friedman, Eichel said that he had asked about being traded after the 2019-2020 season in that offseason. And then the Sabres had signed Taylor Hall, and there was the thought that maybe, you know, they would possibly take a run. Obviously, we all know what happened with that, with what happened last year. Um, I've got some added notes to this, and this this kind of points a little bit of a finger at the Sabres. We could get to this specifically, but I added, because I was listening to WGR 550 uh, Buffalo Sports Radio this morning, and, you know, they were obviously talking more about the Eichel trade and the situation that had happened and his interviews and everything. Um, so in so in this Friedman interview, um, in, so according to Eichel, in 2020, the Sabres told him that they were planning to rebuild. So after COVID knocked out, the 2019-2020 season and where in this timetable during that offseason that this happened, whether it was before the NHL came back and had their playoffs, after the fact, whatever the case is, um, the Sabres in 2020, after the 2019-2020 season, the Sabres told Eichel that they were going to rebuild. Eichel did not want to stay if they were going to do that which is understandable, and we've seen it in the past. The last time that the Sabres uh, were decided that they were going to rebuild, uh, they traded Miller away to the Blues, Miller and Ott. Um, they got they traded Thomas Vanek. They traded Jason Pominville. You know, they were unloading their stars at the time because they were, you know, obviously, you know, that you want to give them the chance to win somewhere else. So totally understandable. So the pandemic hits, their season ends, um, and they were going to rebuild, and their pl- the Sabres' plan was was originally going to be that they were going to keep Jason Botterill as general manager. Then they decided to fire Botterill and hire Kevin Adams instead. Costs were cut, and as as I said, Eichel didn't want to be part of a rebuild. You know, guys don't want to be part of that. They want to try to win all the time, uh, and obviously 
he's already, you know, so many years into his career here. I mean, he, he needs to start trying to win a cup here, especially because he hasn't even, he has no postseason experience yet. Yeah. Um, so there's this idea that they were going to rebuild. And then they went and signed Taylor Hall after they said that they were going to rebuild. So obviously this is very conflicting. You just, Signing Hall isn't a move you do when you're rebuilding. And there was a behind-the-scenes uh, video that the Sabres put out when they inked Taylor Hall to that contract, and they had the negotiations and everything, where Pagula said that if they sign Hall, then this is a move that they're trying to gun for the cup. whole thing is just very, very strange, you know, and so there's a lot to take away from all of this. And there's the question that was pointed out in WGR based on all this information that they were possibly going to have Kruger be the coach that would run this rebuild originally before it was Don Granado. Like just this, I mean, again, a lot to take away from all of this. But look, I we've said in previous podcasts before that one thing, when whenever we've talked about the Sabres on your end, Mike, you said, look, with the Sabres, I don't know what the plan is. And I got to be honest with you, based on some of this information where they were going to rebuild and then they signed Taylor Hall and now all of a sudden they're trying to win, I don't think they know what their plan is. So I agree with you. I, I've said that too many times where – so I'm not even going to – you know what I am going to do? I'm going to pat myself on the back because they, they have no idea what they're doing. And nope. it's from ownership down. Here's the there's two senses here. I'm going to take the first one is the rebuild. You can't rebuild. Let me phrase this. You can rebuild. But you know what the hardest part of your rebuild is? Kyle Oposo makes six million bucks. I'll talk about him again later. But the Jeff Skinner contract. No, that that's all you're, you're not going to be able to move that. So if you're rebuilding, not that you can't have those kinds of dudes on your team. It's just the dollar amount kills you. On a rebuilding team, no one should be making nine million bucks a year or six million bucks a year. You're rebuilding. You want the young guys to play. That's the process of a rebuild. Secondly, if you don't know what direction you're going in, we, we had this conversation when they actually did the Taylor Hall move. You can't be saying one move is going for it because your roster is just straight up not good enough. I know that. Nate, you knew that. The people of Buffalo knew that. Just bringing in a Taylor Hall doesn't make you say, oh, hey, we're we're cup contenders now. No, that's not how this works. You have to make good and smart hockey decisions. And I don't blame Kevin Adams for any of this. I don't blame the Jack Eichel for feeling the way he felt. If you, people of Buffalo, if you want people to blame there's two people. It's Terry and Kim Pagula because they have no idea what they are doing running this team. And they're going, they have run it 
straight into the ground. Nate, we were talking about this before we started recording. I want you, I, all, to all the Sabres fans who are going to listen to this, I want you to think about something. Think of the Jack Eichel era. It's what, seven years? Six and a half, seven years? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I'm not asking this as a question. I want you to really think about this. Who was the longest tenured coach? And who was the longest tenured GM? And how long did they last? You want me to answer that? or If you want to. I mean, in the coach aspect, the, the GM, I, I think I'd have to. But the, the coach aspect of it, I mean, Bilesma was first. He lasted two seasons. Then you had Phil Housley. He lasted two seasons. And then you had Kruger, who lasted a season and a half. Okay. So that's the coaches. GMs were Tim Murray, right? He, Tim Murray was there for Eichel. Yeah. And then it was Botterill. Yep. And then it was Kevin Adams. So Yes. The word is stability. And if you don't have stability in the front office or you don't have a stability within coaching, why should the players trust ownership? You're moving this thing in too many different directions. You have to have a set plan. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to go about it. Whether you like it or you don't like it, that is the plan. Now, can plans be altered? 100% alter them. But I want to hear from the Pagulas on what made them alter the point of we're rebuilding to, okay, we're a cup team. Because Taylor Hall's not the not the one guy who puts you over the top. You're not the Tampa Bay Lightning. You aren't one player away. You're not Colorado where you're maybe a player away. No. You're pieces and pieces away. And somewhere along the lines, there are Sabres fans who, whenever you lose, are singing the Ashley Simpson song, Pieces of Me. That's what, that is your problem here. It is stability and not knowing what is going on as an organization. Yeah, you, you, know, you know who was the team that was one piece away? The Vegas Golden Knights. And they just got the last piece they needed. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. We we mock them a lot on this show. Think of the Leafs for a second. I, I say this only because of the proximity of Buffalo to Toronto. Mm-hmm. They go out and they drafted Nylander, Marner, Matthews, and then they go sign John Tavares, but they still can't find their way around to getting past the first round. And, and Kyle Dubas does minor things but we say nothing changes until you change the core of the team and, and he tries the mini alterations but you know the tweaks here and there in buffalo it seems like it's from a saber point of view it's we're gonna go either we're going big or we're not gonna do anything yeah. taylor hall's going big but with the money they they paid Taylor Hall what ten million? Wasn't it one, one year, year deal? Million? Wasn't like eight million for one eight year? Million. So so in one year eight million, and then they wound up trading him for Anders Bjork in a second round pick. 
first things first. Don't. How about you don't sign Taylor Hall, and I sign two younger guys at maybe it's three and a half each, or I do something a little different. But the fact that you signed Taylor Hall to a one-year deal made this whole big thing of he's he's the missing link, and then you can't even get a first-round pick for him. It's mismanagement. Yeah, and it's uh, and, and and look, we we've I I am just so pro president of hockey operations. It's ridiculous, and I know that the Pagulas have have gone on record and said that they don't feel that that's necessary. But all of the issues that we have right now are because we don't have someone who's well known, well respected, a great hockey mind in the business. And look, his name was floating out like a year ago. Or yeah, yeah, something like that about a year ago or whatever. G- or who knows? Every day, every, every day seems like it merges. Uh, but at one point, Jim Rutherford was available, and he still is available. Yeah, granted, I don't know how many team. I mean, as far as I know, he's not with any team right now, so I don't know if maybe he just doesn't want to do anything anymore. But you know, that was a team where I think June was actually when his his uh, his contract with the Pittsburgh was officially up and you could go somewhere else. Why don't, you go get, why don't you go get Rutherford? Because Rutherford is a hockey hall of famer and for good reason, because he puts good teams together. And he doesn't necessarily have to be the GM. That could be Adams. But Adams can learn from Rutherford as a president of hockey operations. You know, Rutherford doesn't have to make the moves, but and he knows Adams because they won a cup together in Carolina. And he, here's the thing: if you're not going to go the president of hockey ops route, then and that's fine. You, whether you want to, you don't want to. I, I really couldn't care less. The fact seems to me, you have too much control over this. And if you think of the the teams who are really good. And you could have a hands-on owner. No one's going to yell and scream about hands-on ownership. But you have to have a feel for what your team is. And they don't. Nope. They don't have that feel. Because two years ago in the bubble, 24 teams made it. And they finished. the Sabres finished 25th. And this is not a slight at the Sabres or anything like that. The fact that you thought you were a piece away because you missed the 2014 playoff or whatever you want to call it, that doesn't mean you're a piece away. doesn't mean you're two pieces away. There was only two p- players on this team that were untouchable. And they're Jack Eichel, who's now gone, and Rasmus Dahlin, who... Hopefully you don't screw him up. Yeah. Everyone else on this roster could be te- could have been had. I don't care. When you're not good, everyone is on the table. That's the way it works. Yeah. And if you started winning. free agents would go to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, look, th- this this whole, I mean, 
you know, and I don't know how many times I'm going to compare the two franchises, but the Buffalo Bills for the longest time were, were I mean, everyone everyone talks about, you know, when you're just outside the playoff bubble, you're in the hunt. They were, the, the Bills were Mr. In the Hunt for, mm-hmm. for, you know, for a good chunk of their 17-year playoff drought. And the thing was is that players never wanted to go there. You know, I mean, it was like, oh, what's there to do in Buffalo and blah, blah, blah. I hate the snow and everything like that. And now all of a sudden... Everyone want a lot of people want to go to Buffalo because they're winning. Winning solves everything. That is a real quote. Doesn't matter. I mean, you had draft picks. Um, I I don't know if it was this draft or the previous draft. I think it was the previous draft because they uh, they ended up trading for Diggs instead of because a lot of people thought they were going to uh, draft a wide receiver with their first round pick. And they interviewed some of these wide receivers, and I don't remember who it was, but they're like, oh yeah, I don't mind this. Like I'm not a big fan of the snow, but I'll go play for them. Yeah, no kidding. They're good. Right. You know, winning solves all. And the thing is, is that, you know, it that's the same thing. There, I remember hearing, and I don't remember where I heard this from, but the last time that the Sabres were a top team in the league was 2006-2007. And I know that they won a division after that and everything like that, but when it was really like, holy crap, there might be like a cup-winning team soon, was 06-07. Back when Breer and Drury were on the team, Yammer Yager wanted to play with both of them. So I don't know how that would have happened. That would have been cool if we were able to get Yager on there. But he and then he played with Chris Drury anyway. Yeah, but here's the thing: is that is that Yammer Yager, one of the best players to ever lace up the skates in this sport, was willing to come to, to little old Buffalo because we were winning. And that's why the Bills are a destination now for a lot of great talent because they're winning. So you don't have to, oh, a small town and all this other stuff. You know, it's – I'm sure there's players that actually don't want to go for, like, reasons like that. Like they want to go to a big city or whatever. I'm not saying that everybody saying that is lying. But there's a lot of players that will put up with some other flaws that a city has or a team has because they're good. Okay. And you brought up winning, but you know what else the Bills are? Stable. Yeah. Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, stability. The Sabres are not run like that. And we can... I think think they finally nailed it with Granato because I think he's done a very good job. Yeah, but the, but the sad part of that is it's too little too late. And they said this on WGR. They think Granato would have been perfect for Eichel. But he would have been. He would have been. And, and the fact is, he, and, and here's what Jack's probably thinking, because you said before, the minute Jack hears, oh, we're, we're going to rebuild again, I'm not doing that. I'm going to be, I don't want to be known as the face of a, a loser franchise. I don't I blame don't, him. I don't want to be a fan of that. But, <laughs> but no, like, why would, why would he want to be suffering that, though, that? He needs to. You, you wanted to build build this around him, and just a rebuild now doesn't make sense. And especially if you're if you're not even getting a first round pick for Taylor Hall. I mean, I mean that that's the crushing part of all of this is the fact of they don't even make good hockey. They weren't making good hockey deals in front of them. We've talked about it numerous times. The Ryan O'Reilly trade, brutal. Yeah. 
I know Tage Thompson's still on the roster. It's still a brutal trade. Oh, yeah, no, because Zabodka wasn't good. Berglund didn't even want right. to play there to begin with, and then he just kind of retired and went to Sweden. I mean... Yeah. Evander Kane deal? What a bust that was. Well, Evander, the whole Evander Kane thing in general is, is just horrible because ever since he was in Winnipeg, it just wasn't good. Yeah, he didn't even know if he was corporate Kane, demon Kane. He didn't know. Nice WWE reference. And then, you know... They made some progress this offseason when they made the wrist aligning trade. They made some other moves that were like, okay, this is interesting. And then, so they're on track with rebuild, kind of a retool, rebuild, however you want to phrase it. But at the same time, now you've got the, the Jack situation and the whole thing's just a mess. Well, the thing is, is that the kids to an extent are ready. And that's why you see this youth movement in Buffalo where, I mean, you got Tage Thompson's back and Dylan Cousins has a bigger role and uh, a middle stad would be playing, but he's been hurt. Um, and then you look at you look at the I mean, look, one name we haven't mentioned, but needs to be mentioned. Owen Powers in Michigan. He's trying to work his game up in Michigan. You know, maybe he'll be in Rochester or Buffalo next year. You know, you have Paterka and Quinn down in the in uh, the AHL with the Rochester Americans who are tearing it up. So they're they're slowly going to be making their way up to the NHL level as well. Um, Alex Tuck, when he's finally, I mean, I know he's a kind of an older guy when it comes to a lot of these other younger guys, but Alex Tuck's only 25 years old. And oh, he's so old. He's, yeah, I know. Well, I guess in the Sabres aspect of it, but he, and look, I mean, I know Adams has said multiple times now, we want guys that want to be here and blah, 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 and the whole thing. But it, but I, this is just to make a point on Tuck. Tuck mm-hmm. is from Syracuse, New York, for those who don't know, and he grew up a Sabres fan. And it's been a dream. He goes, he told Adams, dream come true that I'm going to be able to play for that team. And how he had off-season shoulder surgery. Timetable looks like he'll be back in February. If he's not back right before the uh, Olympic break, it'll be afterwards, probably at the latest. Um, but I'm excited to see him play for them because he, he I look, as a Vegas fan, I he was just a very underrated part of the team. Guy deserves to be in a top six role, in my opinion. Doesn't necessarily need to be on the first line. But you look, I mean, when Vegas went and they brought Mark Stone in, and it's like, okay, well, now all of a sudden, because of Marcheseau and uh, Smith, depending on what side they're on, along with Stone, all of a sudden you have Tuck, who deserves a top six role, and I imagine he'll get it in Buffalo when he finally suits up for them. He was in a bottom six role for them, still very effective. But if you look, I mean, you can look at his skill set. I think the NHL uh, on YouTube, they have a top five goal, like highlight goals from him last year. So good. He's such, he's so fun to watch. He's super fast. He's a tall guy, you know, and he, he's got a great skill set. And I think he'll be a fan favorite for sure. He probably already is, especially because he grew up rooting for the team. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was one of my favorite players to watch as a Vegas fan before this trade obviously happened. And I'm looking forward to what he can do as a Sabre. But um, but between him, Quinn, Paterka, Power, they've got three first. I mean, obviously there's conditions, but I believe the Florida pick, 
that they got from Ryan Hart is not protected. Um, I could be wrong on that, but they have the potential in a deep draft to have three first round picks. And even if you don't want to use some of those picks, they're going to probably use all of those picks because they, but, but, but you could also just, you know, hear me out. There's a player you really like say, Hey, team, whoever, we have these three picks. Are you interested? I don't think they want to do that. I don't think they want to do it either. They, Adams but basically said, and, and I, I know he within did, their age group that they want, they could certainly go do it. I know he, I know he didn't, um, I know he didn't specifically reference the Tim Murray era. And there's, like I said, there's fans on Twitter who go, I'm mad at, Jason Botterill, Phil Housley, and Ralph Kruger, and I—I I mean, they definitely deserve some blame for all of this, but obviously ownership is is at the top of who to blame. But, um, but Adams didn't specifically mention the Tim Murray era or Tim Murray by name, at least from what I heard uh, or saw. But, um, you know, look, I mean, there was another there not that long ago during the Jack Eichel draft. They had three first round picks, including the Eichel pick. And they moved they moved the one to get Robin Leonard and then they moved another to get Evander Kane. So, you know, well, at that time, Robin Leonard was not worth a first. You're right. Right now. Now. Oh, yeah. Now difference. Now he's more likely to get a first, but. Um, or more deserving, I should say, to get a first. But um, but but I think he looked at that because they were going to rebuild. And I think, like with Murray, it's like, okay, well, I want to get these players. And then I think we traded a second-round pick and, you know, Grigorenko and a bunch of pieces in order to get the O'Reilly deal to happen um, as part of that draft. But in any case, um, that was to speed up the rebuild. And I think, you know, oh, well, we got to we got to start winning now because we got Eichel. So let's uh, O'Reilly, Kane, um, Leonard. A GM can't make those moves. So you blame team Tim Murray and Bottle. Those moves, those kinds of moves, don't get made without the approval of an ownership. Well, no, I'm not. I get that, and I'm not saying ownership doesn't have any part. Oh, of no, it. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the people online. But the thing is, is that is that I think Adams looks at that and says, well, this is what happened last time. And I think a lot of people think that those moves, because they tried to quicken this, I they think that that's part of what messed it up. And I think Adams takes that as... Adams takes that as, okay, well, we're going to learn from our past here. It didn't work the last time. We don't need this to go any longer than it needs to. We're going to keep our picks... We're going to have players develop. I, I think the re- the reason Krebs was not in the lineup last night uh, when they played Seattle for the first time, and um, that, that was just another dagger because they lost 5-2 to two and Jordan Everly got the first hat-trick in Seattle crack in history. Um, Jordan Everly cracked the trick. It's not great when the Sabres also – I mean, it's just, what a bad day for Sabres people because – that that's they're going to be part of the Seattle Kraken trivia history now, in a big way. Um, 
And I, it's funny, I watched that play, not to get off on a tangent, but I watched Eberly. if you watch it, the second I saw Eberly get the puck and it was clear cut right in, uh, going in on Tukarskin, like he's getting the hat trick. And I'm like, and we're going to be a footnote now on the crack in history. He shoots it, I see the puck at the back, and then I'm like, okay, I'm done watching. And I shut it off after that because it was 4-2 to two and I'm in the third, and I'm like, they're not coming back from this. They might get one more. They're not. I think it was after the empty net goal. Darlene, I think it was, trying to shoot the puck out of the empty net, and he falls down doing it. That was the footnote for me. Yeah, he he's been a talk of you know how you know he needs to be playing better. They need to set him up and for better and obviously i think renato is going to do the best that he can on that end with him and with every all the younger talent but um but i i think we but yeah i i so we we have at the most probably half an hour left in this if we even go that long but um left in this podcast but i i do want to ask now i think this is a good time to ask what's next but before i Give the floor to you on on what you feel. We need to talk about talent evaluation, and this was mentioned on WGR, and it was a little bit of a mini rant by Jeremy White, uh, who does the morning show on uh, WGR with Howard Simon. Uh, he basically said, "He goes the the man, the team needs to you know they need to know who is good and who is bad, and going forward." Because and if you look, he's absolutely right, and we've and we all kind of knew that this was happening, and we've talked about it on this podcast before. They thought Ralph Kruger was good. Turns out he was not a good coach. You might be one of the worst we ever had in franchise history. But going more on the players' aspect, they thought Zemgus Gergensen's was good, and granted he's doing well now, but they signed him to a three-year contract. But meanwhile, they kept giving Sam Reinhart one year bridge deals and it's like well you he keeps proving how good he is why are you not signing him long term don't sign Gergensen's to a three-year no offense to Gergensen's I'm sure he's a nice guy don't sign Gergensen's to three years and only give Reinhart one like come on that's common sense you there's an eye test with this stuff well that begs the question of who's doing the evaluations and the thing, right? And the thing is, is that they kept risk the line in longer than they needed to. I mean, he even asked to be traded a couple of years ago, and they still kept him. You know, and it's and he, the Saber fans were over him years ago, and the organization was like, oh, well, we're we're going to keep him around." And you know, risk the line and got to the point where he only has one year left on his contract, and he's like, "Keep me, trade me, I don't really care." After you know, he basically he knows after a year he wasn't going to stay, so he he's like, "What if I got to put up with, with another year of this?" fine you know so he's been unhappy but they should have kept they should have got rid of him a couple of years ago especially if when he asked to leave you know so but they wanted to keep him around they want to keep gergensen's around and then they run out guys like reinhardt and i know Eichel was a bit of a different situation but you know it's just talent evaluation like but the thing is is that you'd think the eye test would be enough for some of this stuff or i don't know looking at the stat sheet because it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that Gergensen doesn't put up the same production as like a Reinhardt. Like, so what's the struggle? Role. It's different roles. Like Gergensen is a good player. Gergensen is 
a fine player, but he's not a top six. He's a bottom six PK guy. If he fits on the second power play unit, great. But he's not a guy who's going to play 20 minutes a night. Sam Reinhardt's a guy who could give you 20 minutes a night. Top six power play. I believe he also killed penalties. You know, but it, it it's just it, it it kills me that I'm not look. If you want to sign Gergensen's to a three year contract, fine, be my guest. He could be a bottom six guy. I'm not the biggest fan of his. Uh, obviously, he's been doing relatively well this season, given the circumstances. Uh, so far, anyway, he's been doing fine. But you know the. Signing him, but then not signing Reinhardt to a a deal that Reinhardt deserves, and they keep signing him. They kept signing him to one-year deals, and he keeps showing what he can do. And last year, which last year was probably one of the worst seasons I've ever witnessed as a fan of this team, he still was, despite all of the crap, he was still good the entire time. And add that. Uh- to another reason, Jack's unha- Jack was unhappy. Yeah. You know, and and so, you know, and it's like Reinhardt earned a long-term deal with you guys, and you wouldn't give it to him, yet you'd give it to Gergens. It's just, it, it, the decision-making is just so baffling. And look, I... It, Adams wants to do this correctly. He's getting all these draft picks. It seems like he doesn't want to do the Tim Murray thing. He wants to just, it's going to take time. Let this, you know, he's going to keep the picks, whatever picks he has in this draft. Um, he could have put Krebs in the in, in the Sabres lineup starting last night if Krebs would have been able to make it in time. Uh, he didn't do that. He sent Krebs to Rochester with the point of, I just want him to be ready. I want to make sure that he's ready to go. Uh, this is going to take a little bit of time, but we just want to do this right at this point. And I totally get that. I don't have an issue with any of that. Uh, Krebs can, you know... Supposedly, I saw someone say on Twitter that Krebs dominated uh, the WHL when he was last in there or whatever. Let him get some time. Let him get his confidence up. Put him on a line with Quinn and Paterka and have the three of them become this fun, you know, trio to watch in Rochester for the year. You know, maybe they're both all three of them will make the team next year. Maybe Owen Power comes in next year. Maybe you put him and Darlene together. Maybe that gets a spark out of Darlene. There's all these different things. But talent evaluation needs to be better, knowing who's good and who's bad. Not just coaching, and I think they finally got that down with Granado, but with talent. You need to know who's good and who's bad. You know, you need to know who to give the long-term contracts to and who to give short-term or not resign at all. And they need to know how to do that going forward, or they're never going to get anywhere. They're going to spin their tires and not move a single inch. And I, I one point that I want to bring up is, and we made the comparison of the Bills before, and again, it baffles me every single time that we talk about both of these franchises and they're under the same ownership. The Buffalo Bills, make they broke the 17-year playoff drought under the McDermott Bean era. Last year, they they win the division for the first time in a long time. They win a couple playoff games. They make it all the way to the AFC Championship game, and they lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. 
right now, based on the landscape of the NFL right now, they're talked about as one of the top teams in the AFC, and some people think is even the favorite to come out of the AFC going into the Super Bowl. You look at the offense of this team, of, of the Bills, there are two players on the offense that are first-round picks. That's it. Two. And that's Allen, who obviously is the, the face of the team, and Trubisky, who is the backup quarterback who they signed, you know. Who wasn't even drafted by them. Who wasn't even drafted by them. Uh, and Diggs, I believe, was a fifth-round pick, another face of the offense, one of the best wide receivers in football, in my opinion, although I'm a little biased in that. But I, I think you would say he would be one of the best. He's in the long top as, 10. As long as he gets used, because uh, obviously Allen has different pieces he could throw the ball to. Emmanuel Sanders, who they just added, I believe was a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Beasley wasn't a first-round pick. Gabe Davis, who who had a good rookie year, hasn't gotten the ball as much this year, was a fourth-round pick. All these different guys – uh, Ma- uh, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, both third round picks. These are all guys that weren't first round picks. You know, here's the thing is that, you know, it, is they're hitting on these late round picks going on the defensive side. Matt Milano was going to be one of the best linebackers in free agency last year. Brandon Bean found a way to get him re-signed, but he's a great linebacker. He was a fifth round pick for the Bills. The Bills are where the... The Bills are, the, are a good example of how to build because most of the players that you got were homegrown, and you hit on more than just first-round picks. It wasn't just, oh, you know, we got Jack Eichel. We hit on Jack Eichel. Yeah, anyone would hit on Jack Eichel. He's a second overall pick. He'd be a first overall pick. And like I think they said the last 10 drafts, the only reason he was second overall is because of McDavid. You know, anyone can make that pick. Anyone can make the Darlene pick. You have to make picks beyond the first round, the obvious picks. The Bills know how to do that. It's good management. They've got great management in place. The Sabres don't know how to hit on picks past, and they've hit on a few. Victor Olofsson was a seventh-round pick. They know how to hit on some other different picks. Uh, Bryson, who's one of their defensemen, I believe he was a seventh-round pick. So they hit on these picks every so often, but they're not doing it consistently enough where this team is in a better spot than where they're at. The Bills, through homegrown talent and through good drafting, good scouting, are where they are right now because they grew it themselves. They didn't just buy a bunch of free agents. They sprinkled the free agents after they did really well drafting. The Sabres need to draft well. They have to draft well, but they also have to make the right call-in deals. And they have to... Not necessarily saying you have to win every trade, because you're not. You're not going to win every trade. But you have to do better in other trades because you're not just going to – you could draft well, but you're also going to have to do some tankering at some point. You brought up Diggs. That's a trade that's worked out for both the Bills and the Vikings because Justin Jefferson's been really good for the Vikings. I think people – and when I say people, I mean fans. I don't mean organizationally. They only care about the first round of the NHL draft because that's all that's hyped up between whether it's McDavid and Eichel or this guy, that guy. And once you get past the top 10 to 15, you're getting into a curious case of uh, a lot of people don't know who these guys are. There's a team 
in the Sabres division who is a prime example of asset management. And we talk, I, I feel like I talk about him all the time on this, on the podcast because I love what they're doing. It's the Detroit Red Wings yeah. and their asset management. The deal they they make a deal for Alex Dedelkovich, who was a Calder finalist. He's got the potential to be their franchise goalie for the next eight to ten years, whatever you want to say. You know, they make a smart hockey move. They traded Anthony Mantha, who was a really good player, for Jake Vrana, who hasn't played yet this year, but last year, phenomenal. And he and Veron is a guy who who fits today's NHL because he's so shifty and speedy and everything like that. And I mean, when he was here in Washington, while I was you know while he was still here and I was watching Caps games casually, you know, um, he would score some like really nice goals that are. I mean, I have one in my head right now. Where I think it was I don't know if it was a breakaway or not, but he scored a really beautiful goal. He's a great player and he fits today's game perfectly. And you do so. You have to do your due diligence. Look at. Tampa. Not all those dudes they've got are first round picks. Kucherov was I Kucherov is like Kucherov one of the best players in the league. Yeah, and he's a second round pick. He wasn't even a first round pick, and he's one of the best players in the league. Yes, Stamkos was first overall. Hedman was a number two overall. I think Vasilevsky was a first round pick. But I don't think any Kalorn wasn't a first round pick. Palat important players for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So you're not just going to hit in the first round. you got to hit in other places. That's what matters. You have to – your scouting matters. Your decision-making matters. You ask me – you started this off by asking me what's next. Yep. And so here's the memo. Everyone is under evaluation. There are very few guys who have an opportunity to be on this team next year. The only guaranteed spots for next year, I'm not including Tucker Krebs because they're, you know, they've got their own situations. Darlene, guaranteed a spot next year. Dylan Cousins, probably guaranteed a spot next year. Casey Middlestat, probably guaranteed a spot next year. Maybe Olafson's guaranteed a spot next year. I don't know. I he's better on the power play than he is anything else. Would you Would you say that? I mean, I I don't say I I don't think that he'll go back to school again. So would you say that power even would be considered as that, or do you not want to include him in this? I don't want to include him because he he and he's a good player. He's he man. He's got the power. <laughs> I wouldn't even mind seeing him go to the American League to get his feet wet for okay. a little bit. Okay. You so know, that's not an issue either. But you don't think he'll necessarily be in college again next year? No, he doesn't have to be. Uh, I will. He, this is one situation where I'll never fault the player. If you go back to school to get your education, I will never fault the player. Right. You know, so. But after next year, you have to bring him in because after his senior year, if he's not signed, he's a free agent. And you don't want an Adam Fox situation 
By the way, Adam Fox, team-friendly deal for the New York Rangers. Oh, a, a great, great deal. That's, That's a great deal for the, the Rangers. So. We'll have to talk about that on the next podcast. But, oh, he, he is he, oh. one of my favorite defensemen in the league. I've said oh that. Dude, dude is so good, he has his own network named after him. Oh, my God. So, who's next? What's next? Who's next? Okay. So, we're going to do... I'm probably going to do a statement address at some point on them because they're going to falter. Kyle Poso has this year and next year at $6 million. He could probably get you for the rest of this year. In the offseason, you got to explore a trade. Even if you've got to pay part of his $6 million, that ship is sailed. That's, I, probably I guaranteed, that's probably guaranteed if yeah. any trade is going to happen is that they're going to have to keep some yeah, of that he, salary. He, he he's gone. The Skinner contract's unmovable. I don't know if there's a team that's going to take the Skinner contract. So yeah. that that one's going to hurt. Oposo's definitely. You know, there's other guys who are under evaluation to see where they what can happen. I think of a guy like Will Butcher, young defenseman, had a great rookie year, kind of fell off with the Devils at the end. Here's your second chance, Will Butcher. And if you play extremely well, you're going to have an opportunity around the league. But if you falter here, and and this is going to be for everyone who I haven't mentioned. Excuse me. Most of you are going to get either A, a second chance in Buffalo, or B, you could get a second chance somewhere else around the league. You have to showcase what you are. And that doesn't mean you have to put up 30 goals. doesn't. The effort, the work. Yeah. The, I don't know how many times I texted you this during last season. Because I got to watch a lot of the Sabres because of how the divisions were aligned. I go, there's not an effort. And then they make the coaching change and you could see, okay. Here's the skill. Here's this. Here's that. It's time for everyone's on notice in Buffalo. Who's here? Who's not? That's going to depend on who plays well and who doesn't. You're all competing for roster spots right now. That's the... And I think Kevin Adams and, and Don Granato, who I think has done a fantastic job I have to say that Kevin Adams yesterday, this is a quote from Greg Wyshynski. Adams said things didn't work out with Jack Eichel because, quote, there was a frustration for him that built up over time, close quote. And he was clear with Eichel that, quote, we need to build this organization with people that are dying to be Buffalo Sabres. So, Kevin Adams, here's your job. Find people who are dying to be Buffalo Sabres. And if you find the people who are dying to be Buffalo Sabres and you figure it out, the Buffalo Sabres will make a run. And they will finally, and they're not going to make a run to the playoffs. They're not going to make a run to the Stanley Cup because I'm not going there yet. The Buffalo Sabres will make a run to one word. Relevancy. Right. Because right now, the Buffalo Sabres are the most 
irrelevant franchise in the NHL. Yeah, you just the 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 new expansion team, the Seattle Kraken, just whipped them yesterday. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they they got outshot so badly. I mean, Tukarski, who I'll admit I haven't been the biggest fan of as the backup, and I kind of wish that they would make a move at, at in net again. Uh, but Tukarski, they they were saying on WGR as I was coming home from work. He, he he was keeping them in there through 40 minutes. You know, I mean, he he was playing huge. He made some big saves when he needed to. And, you know, it's just the how the play was going in front of them that, you know, they needed to, to fix. And obviously they were not able to do that in time to get a win against the, the Kraken. But it, it can't happen. Listen, from now until the trading deadline, Everyone's on notice. Here's the thing, though. You said that go after guys who want to be Buffalo Sabres. I I don't think that anyone wants to be a Sabre no, no, other than... No, no, no. I'm saying you have to go find guys who want oh, to be Buffalo Oh, okay. Like, like through the draft. Through the draft. Because you're and not... Then, your free agent you... status is never going to change until you... That's why right. the Bills... That's why the and Bills mindset yeah. around the league is different is because of the homegrown talent... They created a culture of winning, and I think the Sabres need to try and fix their locker room culture as well. But they 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 fixed the culture around, and that goes back to coaching and management. And then they built around the the you know they brought in they drafted different players or whatever. The, they not only did they homegrown players, but they homegrew a a culture. And then you start picking up wins from the culture, and then you start attracting the talent from outside right. from other so, teams. So here's my example. Between now and whenever the trade deadline is, everyone's on notice. So arguments say, because you you talked about them before, let's say you're going to put Zemgis Gergensen's on the block. What I need in that deal if I'm Kevin Adams is I need one of two things. I need a prospect who I can mold into saying, okay, you can be – you want to be a Buffalo Saber, you know, and try to mold the mentality of, yeah, I want to be here for five, six, seven years and beyond. Or trade them for a draft pick. And then we're going to load up the draft and we're going to revamp everything through the draft. And that's how we're going to build our identity and our culture. But no, I'm going to emphasize this point. Nothing will change in Buffalo if there is no more micromanaging, which means you have to have stability, which means Kevin Adams needs an opportunity to see this through, as does Don Granado. Otherwise, we're going to be talking about the same damn situation Every year. Yep. And that's a prop. That that right there is spicier than a buffalo. One. Well, that's well, that's the crux of the problem. Is is just it's a mindset change because you're changing your identity. You're. This is gonna sound really mean and weird. You're gonna. You have to Caitlyn Jenner yourself. Oh my God. No, I, no, I get what you're saying. Well, I mean, 
that's one way that I mean that's one way to say it, but but I reinvent yourself. I think is what you're. Yeah, you have to change the mold of who you are. Yeah, and and that's you know we we could talk about the Bills and and we do, but sticking with hockey for a second, argument's sake, just because I'm going to be a little bit biased here. Think of the Rangers, the Rangers. Six, seven years ago, we're playing in the Stanley Cup Finals. And then as time went on, they said, you know what? We're going to retool this. And they traded off all the fan favorites and all of this. And, and just think about this for a second. Steve Dangle of Sportsnet does, the, does a trade tree, and it's phenomenal, the Rick Nash trade tree. And it doesn't lead to the same thing, but Rick Nash gets traded to Boston. In that deal with the Boston Bruins, the Rangers got Ryan Lindgren. Ryan Lindgren's now a foundational piece of the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Then they t- traded Derek Brassard to Ottawa for Mika Zibanejad. Mika Zibanejad is now such an important piece for the New York Rangers. You have to figure, if you know what you're doing, and you're gonna go the way you're you wanna go. These deals you need the people in charge to say, okay, this is how we're gonna do it. Present it in a way that's fashionable. Because we went to school upstate, and Nate, you could speak for Sabres fans. I could speak from what I know of Sabres fans. And they're passionate fans. Mm-hmm. I see them with the Bills, and they're mainly the same people. If the Sabres said, hey, we know that we've had a drought, but this is what we're doing. The fans would understand if there was a a nuance of, hey, we're trying to do this. We understand. Just be a little patient. Like the Rangers were with their letter. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do. And once you figure this out. You move on from there and you look, you look like what, now what the Rangers are now, because they're looking to be a playoff team. But in essence, you're going to build something that is so good that'll make people want to come see you. Yeah. Well, because you look at the attendance now, and I mean, there were times where they, they had like under 9,000 and they're supposed to, I mean, full capacity at, at, uh, Key Bank Center is 19,070. And what, what did I tell you? I would trade you Jack Eichel for 19,070 cardboard cutouts. Well, apparently we need some of those cutouts in order to have a sellout. So Right, so figure Fans it out. Up. Figure it out. Everyone's under evaluation. From top and bottom. Roster, management, Everyone's evaluated. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to see for sure. But I, I believe we've covered all the bases here at this point in time. Uh, it, we're going to obviously see what happens uh, on both sides of this trade. Uh, Tuck will be back in a few months. Eichel will be back in a few months. 
Uh, we'll see how Krebs does, whether he gets an NHL shot at all this year, whether he's just with the Rochester Americans the entire time. Uh, a lot, a lot of, you know, obviously a big trade throughout the league and, we're going to see the fallout of, you know, and just see how things go, but, you know, on the Sabres aspect, as well as the Golden Knights aspect, as I said, I think the Golden Knights in the next three years, I think they win a cup, uh, you know, I, I don't know about necessarily this year, but I think in a couple of years, they, uh, they might, they might have a cup in their hands uh, for sure. Certainly have a deep roster to look forward to for all the fans in Sin City. And uh, and obviously, like I said, we'll see you on the Sabres aspect of this, but uh, they, they have a lot of work that they got to do now to try and get back to not just being a playoff team, but as you said, relevancy. But uh, Mike, any final thoughts uh, before we officially sign off? Buff, oh, we have some news out of Ottawa, if I could just do this really quickly. Okay. The Senators have named Brady Tuchuk the 10th captain in franchise history. Hey, okay. Hold on, let me just kind of hop on Twitter myself and take a look at this real quick. Um, but for the Sabres, it, it just these trade, this trade, the Eichel for Tuck, Krebs, the first and second, it's not about 2021-22. No. It's not even about 2022-23. It's about beyond. The long-term success. Exactly. As, yeah. Buzz, as the great Buzz Lightyear once said, it's about two infinity and beyond. Absolutely, yeah. Some some wise words from uh, from our, our fellow space cadet. <laughs> Alrighty, so for uh, for Mike Rifkin, I'm Nathan Moser. Uh, thank you again for listening to this uh, special episode of the Breakaway Bandits podcast, the Jack Eichel trade episode. Uh, you can catch all of uh, the Breakaway Bandits podcasts on Anchor, and I believe it's wherever else you get your podcasts as well. It's not just Anchor. Anchor is the one that we mainly uh, the one that we mainly shout out. But uh, and the we're Breakaway on Anchor, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, I believe also. And we and uh, the Breakaway Bandits podcast is part of the Sports Insanity Network. Mike, do you want to give a plug for uh, check for the out site? the website www.thesportsinsanitynetwork.com. We have a lot of good content out there. Listen, listen, read. We got a lot of good content. We got, a lot we of got who stuff work. for you, people. We a lot of people who a lot of people who work hard to uh, to get all this content out for uh, for. The, the sports loving fans of all different uh, sports and stuff like that. But, uh, but uh, so you could do all that, but uh, for now, for Mike Rifkin, I'm Nathan Moser. Uh, thank you for tuning in for the Jack Eichel episode of the sports and of the, of the sports insanity podcast networks, breakaway bandits podcast. There we go. Um, and we will catch you again next time. <laughs>